So I've just jumped off the bus at Wimbledon Village and walked along the high street to just come onto the, the very tip of Wimbledon Common where there's a, a little pond here and it's quite windy and I'm making my way kind of diagonally across this little patch of Wimbledon Common to the front gates of Kanazaru Park where I'm going to be meeting Ginny Reddy who is an author. I haven't seen her since the bookshop closed. It's very exciting because she's just about to publish her next book called Wonderlands all about her connection with nature and the environment. I was thinking about recording outside but it is quite cold and it's kind of runny nose weather so you might get us sniffing throughout our chat which probably isn't much fun to listen to so perhaps we shall go inside instead. There's a lovely pub that I visit quite often. Well not that often but um, but it does fantastic food. It's called the Hand in Hand. This is the Travelling Through Podcast. I'm your host Emma and today I am chatting with Ginny Reddy, journalist, author and travel features writer. She was born in London to Indian parents from South Africa and brought up in Canada. This is her story about London, the world and life. It's a vaguely sunny February day um, and in Wimbledon, which for uh, listeners who are not so familiar with London, this is in the southwest of the city, um, close to the All England Lawn Tennis Club, where the Wimbledon Tennis Championships are held. And we're surrounded by Wimbledon Common, home to the Wombles and many a celebrity. And also there's Canazaro Park, where I've just met up with Ginny Reddy. Hello. Hello, Hello Ginny. <laughs> Lovely to have you on our podcast Lovely show. Lovely to be here. And um, it actually, it ended up being far too cold to be wandering around Canazaro Park. So we've taken the positive action and walked to the Hand in Hand pub, which um, used to be one of my favourites a long time ago, and I've just rediscovered it. And I think it's the same for you now, yeah, isn't it? it's very cosy. Perfect place to record a podcast on a chilly day. It certainly is, and um, people are kind of just wandering around doing their own thing, and we found a nice little cosy corner ourselves. So, so Ginny, I was trying to remember the the uh, time when I first met you, and I think it was you coming into the shop, possibly just before or just as you published your first book. Yes, I think I wandered in um, because I wanted to see if my book was on your shelf. <laughs> And I think it and was, I wasn't it? I think I was pretending that that wasn't why I was wondering. <laughs> in. Um, but then I discovered that, you know, your lovely bookshop was almost like um, a sanctuary. But, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people found found that, especially because you could hide away downstairs yes, yeah. in the cafe and the garden was nice. And, yeah, and I think and I came so. in a few more times and worked downstairs and met friends downstairs. Mm-hmm. I'm very sad it's closed. Oh, well, I, I, I'm delighted in some ways that I'm I'm meeting you now at a time where your second book is just yes. about to be published. And it's called Wonderland. It's is called that... Wonderland and it's coming out on 30th of April. Okay. Bloomsbury Publishing. So your first book was very much being in touch with nature and, and the environment, if I'm right in saying So saying the first book was a guidebook. This book is a narrative. Um, and it's quite personal. It's about my journey to connect with the magical in the landscape in Britain. So it kind of straddles travel, nature, memoir, and it's a coming from a more spiritual perspective. Um, I put a lot of myself into the book. Okay, so well, I'll look forward to sort of developing this yeah. as we go along, because in fact you were born... In London, which I didn't realise. I was actually born in Wimbledon. Oh, I was born, here. Yeah, <laughs> well, not I, was, here but... I was born at Nelson's Hospital in Wimbledon. Okay. And uh, my mum and dad are Indian from South Africa. Right. And when I was seven, we moved to Canada. So we moved to the Laurentian Mountains in Quebec. 
So you're French speaking? Uh, so um, I learned to speak French growing mm -hmm. up in, in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so we spent a year in the Laurentian Mountains and then we right. moved to uh, a year and a half and then we moved to Montreal. And so I grew up in Montreal, I went to school, I went to university there. And then when I left Montreal, I went to France and studied some more. Mm -hmm. And that's when I came back to London. Um, after that. After that. Yeah. So the Laurenti Laurentian Mountains, where, where are they in relation to Canada? Are they north of so Montreal? They're, so they're in Quebec. Mm -hmm. um, they're north of Montreal. I think. <laughs> okay. You were only seven, so we'll let you <laughs> I, I should know it. that. I should know that. Um, I'm a bit embarrassed not to know that. Um, so, yes, uh, the Laurentian Mountains are really beautiful. And when I was when I moved there, we, we arrived during a blizzard. I've actually written about this in the book a little bit, too. And uh, my backyard was wilderness. For a seven-year-old, that is yeah. just amazing, isn't yeah, it, to have I that had, freedom? I, I have another really lovely memory when I, of a, a friend who would take me um, in the summer to the ski slopes, which were quite quite muddy in the summer, but we could we would walk up them, and when we got to the bottom, we would um, collect blueberries for blueberry pie, oh. and I just have really lovely memories. It was a very innocent time. Mm, no, it is, and, and um, they stay with you forever, yes. don't you, those, yeah. those times? And Have you been back there at all? Oh, I've been back uh, quite a few times, um, not to the Laurentians, but to Montreal. Mm -hmm. um, I loved where I grew up. I, I had the St. Lawrence River at the end of my street. Sounds idyllic. I don't know why you came to London. <laughs> and uh, I had a, a, and there was a bird sanctuary nearby too. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I left, I left to, after I studied, I left to study some more in France. Mm -hmm. And then from France, I, in France I did a master's degree in English literature. Right. And then I came, and you might be wondering, why did I do an English literature degree uh a in France. degree in France, and that's because I had a French boyfriend. And then I came to the UK because I wanted to work in book publishing, so right. that's what brought me back. Okay, but your parents leaving South Africa at probably at a very difficult time as as yes, Indian. They, um, from were they originally from India, or were they born to Indian parents themselves in South Africa? They were born to Indian parents themselves in South Africa, and they grew up during the apartheid era. Right. So my father was very keen to leave the country. Um, mm -hmm. And so he was, it's a long story, but he was able to get himself sponsored to come and do his doctorate um, uh, in London. Right. That's how they came to be in London. Okay, and then they decided to then go from London to, to Canada. Yeah, so. he was offered a job in Canada. He was a child psychologist, so he was offered a job in in the middle of nowhere in, in Laurentians. So you've had uh, already a, a very interesting life in terms of uh, culturally as well. Oh, up to that point, up yes, to that point. yes, yeah. yeah because, um, but but you know, when you when it's your life, it's perfectly natural. It feels mm -hmm. feels like it feels very normal. Yes, family in in South Africa. Did do you still have family I, there? I it? have family in South Africa and I have family in Canada. Um, but I um, I haven't gone back that much to South Africa. Okay. Right. I probably know it more as a tourist. Okay. If I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> so coming to to London. So after your after your degree, you came to to London, and having not really been in London since you were born. Yes. Were since you I was seven. Since you were seven, what kind of challenges did you did you face, um, if any? I think. For me, the hard part was leaving leaving the south of France and the sunshine. Yes. And coming to England, I was young, and I suppose my challenges were the same as any young person coming to London, trying to make a life for myself, trying to find work, mm -hmm. um, trying to get acquainted with 
British culture, even though I hold a British passport. Of course, yes. And so, uh, but you know, it was it was an adventure. I was young, and it was an adventure. Yeah. And my first job was working for a book publisher for Penguin Books, which I really enjoyed because I spent my days in a book lined office in Kensington. Mm. And, and yeah, that's when yes, it's in Kensington. I actually, I remember there's a big office there, wasn't there? Yeah, was the it? headquarters yeah. were there. Yes. Yeah. And um, oh, we're just sorry, I'm being distracted because it just yeah, started hailing. just hailing, <laughs> snowing and hailing out there. It's funny weather we're having, isn't it? And, and in terms of uh, language, I mean, obviously you, you grew up speaking English as well as French then. Or, uh, I grew or up you... speaking English, but in Quebec, um, I think most people spoke French or some French. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things I noticed when I came to London was that all the signs were in English only. And I'd been so accustomed to everything being bilingual. Yes. So that yeah. was a little strange. Yes. And that took some getting used to. Yeah. And and in terms of where you where you wanted to or where you lived initially yeah. when you came to London, was that hard to find your your place? Um, no. Initially, I stayed. Uh, my sister lived in London, so initially I stayed um, with her in Earl's Court, and mm-hmm. then I moved to, uh, I think it was Southfields in Southwest London, and then mm-hmm. Wimbledon Park. And then to Holland Park. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're you you've always been magnetically pulled back to where you were born, almost apart from the Holland Park. Apart right? from Holland Park, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. I I do like Southwest London. Mm-hmm. Very green. Very green. Parks. Yeah, lots of very open, isn't it? <laughs> as we saw. So having come to London and and working with, for Penguin, um, you you've then stayed in London, or have you moved on and? No, after months? four years, I um was getting itchy feet and decided it was time to experience the the world the mm-hmm. wider world and so i left my job and um, i went to nepal mm-hmm. i had a one-way ticket no credit card and this was before social media um so you disappeared basically so um a friend uh, i contacted a friend of a friend i wrote them a letter and who was out there a friend mm-hmm. of a friend who was out there and i said i wanted to come and volunteer and I didn't wait until I got the reply. I just assumed somehow that this person would be waiting for me at the airport <laughs> when I went to Kathmandu. And, you know, after giving up my job and saying goodbye to my friends, and yes. I turned up in Kathmandu, and of course there was no one there. Um, oh, no. That's very disappointing. <laughs> so it was more than disappointing. It was deeply, Shock. deeply shocking. Uh, so it, it almost felt like a rite of passage, that mm-hmm. that first 24 hours yeah you know, it was yeah. my first time in Asia as well oh really okay so you're so, so even though culture I'm, shock as even well even though I'm of South, South Asian descent it's I'm, you know I'd come from the UK I'd come from Canada mm-hmm. and so it was total culture shock yes so what did you do so I consulted the oracle my guidebook eventually and decided I was going to go um, trekking never having done any hiking before but I had hiking boots, mm-hmm. and I picked up uh, an old rucksack in the market. Right. And I thought it would be wise to go and find out a bit more. So I went to the Himalayan Rescue Association, which was um, open at the time. Went to a lecture on altitude sickness, and then I thought, oh, this is quite a big, big thing. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but I still was determined to do it. I was a bit naive, and I think that carried me along a bit. So. I decided to do a 21-day trek around the Annapurna circuit. And wow. I didn't have a guide. I didn't have a group or anything. You just went to yourself? Fortunately, uh, at the 
uh, Himalayan Rescue Association, I met um, a guy from Yorkshire, mm -hmm. and um, he said, I'm doing that too, why don't we go together? Right, um, probably just as well, really. <laughs> Just as well, because I think on day one, my uh, rucksack strap broke. Uh, so I walked the Annapurna circuit with um, a rucksack put together with safety pins. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I, I have to say that the um, that was a very difficult trek, and the high point was a high mountain pass of 5,500 meters, mm -hmm. which is 17,500 feet, wow. um, which was incredibly challenging. Yeah, it's not a part of the world that I've been to as yet. I mean, it's it's uh, and everybody um, says it's a very challenging walk, but I mean, some people find it more challenging than others yeah. too. But particularly with the altitude Definitely, sickness issue. Yeah. But did you, did you suffer at all? From I that, suffered um, greatly from the altitude sickness. Did you? Yeah, I think on the way up the pass, I was vomiting on the way up and crying on the way down. Oh no, gosh. So it stayed with you forever. But it doesn't seem to have uh, stopped your uh, want or enthusiasm for, for walking and no, hiking. No, no. <laughs> Just lower levels. Just at lower, lower levels. levels now. Yes. Uh, so you, after your, your trip to Nepal, uh, you, what happened after that? Then? So after that, I still wanted to, to volunteer and I was already out there and somebody said, if you want to volunteer, why don't you go to Calcutta? Mm. Um, so I did that. I went to Calcutta and I ended up volunteering at Mother Teresa's when she was alive. So you, did you meet her? I did, I wow. did and um, it was it was how I met her was quite interesting. I, I was at her headquarters and I saw her talking to some businessmen and uh, I didn't want to disturb and I, I went to use the loo and when I came out of the loo I felt, felt this hand on my forehead and she said, bless you my child, bless you and it was Mother Teresa. Oh my um, goodness. I, yeah. So, and did you have a conversation with her after that time, or was she obviously... No, but I did. I volunteered at the children's orphanage, mm -hmm. and she would come occasionally, and we had Christmas there. Mm -hmm. And there were volunteers from all around the world, from many persuasions. Um, and I have to be honest, the volunteers probably got more out of it. You know, it was a it was a really big experience. For yes. Us. Um, and we were there looking after the children who who had been brought in off the street, mm -hmm. a lot of them. Wow, a hum very humbling experience. Very humbling so. experience. Mm -hmm. And then from from Calcutta, what so, happened after that? <laughs> so, so, when I was in Calcutta, I ran out of money. Ah, as you do. As How you can do. you run out of money in Calcutta? I'm not quite sure. Uh, because I'd only, I'd only set off from London with £500, so, okay. um, you know, so it was very hard. I was struggling financially at this yes. point. And having to borrow money and, you know, in those days, wiring my father, not wiring, but yes, you know, phoning my father and asking him to send money to post restaurant, yeah, as what we had in yeah. those days. Um, and so I, uh, I went to Hong Kong with my last bit of money mm -hmm. and checked into a hostel mm -hmm. and then went to the library and started looking at job ads right. and um, managed on the last day when I was just about down to my last or a Hong Kong dollar mm. um, and staying in a horrible uh, hostel, yeah. found a job. So right. I stayed in Hong Kong for two years. And that was in publishing That again. was in publishing again. as well. Yeah. So it's a, it's a line that's obviously, uh, it was your destiny to be in, in, that whole, in the whole book world. Yeah, right, so. I, I, yeah, you could say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But while I was in India, I was so moved by my experience at Mother Teresa's that um, I thought one day I'm going to write about this, I'm going to write an article about this. Um, and when I came back to London mm -hmm. um, after those two years, um, I didn't know what to do, I had no job, I was temping, 
I was really feeling out of place having been abroad and travelled um, and so while I was temping I tried writing this article and I, I, I'd never done any journalism, I didn't know, really know what I was doing so um, it took about 38 tries and mm. then I sent this article off to all the newspapers and one by one the rejections came back and then uh, amazingly time said yes so that's how my first travel piece I guess Yes, came out. Wow, and then you've never looked back since then, clearly. <laughs> well, it's it's always a long, a long and hard journey, isn't it? Well, I spent many years after that, uh, um, kind of in the wilderness, metaphorically speaking. It took me a long while to figure out what to do. Mm. It didn't occur to me at that time that I could be a journalist. Right. So yeah. it took some time for things to come together. Now you've decided to stay in London as a result of I all think this. So, yes, yeah. you you feel it's your your home. Do you? I love London. Do you? <laughs> I love it. I love our green spaces. I love the diversity in mm. London, the tolerance, mm-hmm. you know, the culture, the arts. There's, there's nothing I I don't love about London. I particularly like Wimbledon. Yeah, so this, it's because of its open spaces it's and open walking. Open spaces. It feels like the countryside. Yeah, uh, lots of cozy pubs like the one we're in. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, okay, so uh, this seems like the right moment to have a quick round of questions then yes. for you. So just to break it up. Okay. <laughs> Favorite form of London transport: bus, tube, or something else? Bicycle. Bicycle. Okay, you are not the first to say bicycle, actually. Um, um, where do you like to bicycle? I like to cycle um, up to and through Richmond Park. Mm. That's my favourite. And you can way. probably do that from Wimbledon as well through yes. Wimbledon Common. You can. Yes. That's what I do. Yes, yeah. so that's a fantastic. Because I've walked that route yeah, as well, it's and a it's great, route. isn't it? You feel you're just going from one green space, it's oxygen fantastic. lung, to the next yeah. oxygen lung. Favorite place on a sunny summer's day: a London park or the Thames. A London park, um, preferably <laughs> uh, Canazaro Park or mm-hmm. Richmond Park or Wimbledon Common. Okay, so again, very much staying southwest. Yes, <laughs> and um, yeah, Canazaro Park was as as I was saying to the listeners earlier. We were I was meeting you at, but in, in the end we we decided not to go in there because yeah, it was just too chilly. bit too chilly for today. Not a summer's day. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite London expression or English phrase. Oh, I have to think about that one. I can't say that anything's changed to mind. Okay, that's interesting. So I have to park that one. You park that one. Maybe we'll come back to that later. Street food or pub grub? Ooh, ooh, both. Both. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hard one to choose between. I do love. I do love being in a cozy pub. Mm -hmm. I really do. that hasn't much to do with the atmosphere as anything else. It does, isn't it? Um, it's quite a lot around London. Well, yeah. this one particularly hand in hand. Yeah. Is, is and street food is always an adventure. True. And do you have a place that you like to go specifically for, for street food that you go to? Um, I don't have a specific place, no, but I think, you know, if I'm wandering around and I come across a market, mm-hmm. I'm, quite, I'm quite curious and I want to know what they're serving. Yes. <laughs> because it, it connects you with another culture as well. It does, definitely. And... Uh, Yes, and there's there's always more um, street food, for, well, so much variety and more coming out as yes. well, isn't there? So, um, in terms of pub grub, do you have a favourite pub that? Ah, uh, um, the Alex in Wimbledon is a lovely pub because oh, they do a lot of um, a lot for the community, mm-hmm. and on Christmas Day they serve um, food to anybody who is on their own. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. That is good. Yeah. yeah. So wh- where is the Alex? I don't. Uh, it's also in Wimbledon. Right. Um, not far from the station. Okay. Um, what else do I? Love? I love the pubs in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much all of them. So, so there's a lot to lot to 
to eat and and drink around uh, Richmond yeah. area. Those are the pubs on the river as well. Definitely, yeah. yes. Uh, there's one, and I can't, I think it's called the Swan, where you can go from Richmond and you take the boat. It costs a pound to go across, oh, across the river, the river. Yeah. and then, you take the and then boat. yes, and then and then the there's foot ferry. The foot ferry, yes, right, and that's uh, that's great to go there, and it's sort of it feels like you're hidden away and you're, yes. you've gone somewhere yeah. out of London almost. Yeah. Okay, we're ready for a second round okay. of questions. So, where was home originally? You've you've kind of touched on that already. Being... So, because I grew up in Montreal, I would say Montreal, um, <laughs> and. You know, I really love going back. It feels almost like a, a kind of love affair. Yes. Yeah. You know, I have really um, deep feelings of love and affection, and um, I, I always, I'm always eager to go back. Are you? Yeah. So it's it's almost like your second home then. Yes. Yeah. 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 In an ideal world, I'd live half the time there, there yeah. the summer months. Yes. And before the snow sets in. Okay, <laughs> yes, because it does get... How cold does it get in Montreal? Very cold. When I was growing up, it was something like minus 40 with the wind chill factor. And mm. um, I still remember going to school and having icicles on my eyelashes, <laughs> trying, to, trying to jog in snowdrifts. Oh, my goodness. So that puts us when we, when we get... Uh, we, we don't like it when it's cold, when it's like minus one here, but that yeah. minus 40 takes it to another level yeah, totally. It's all relative, though. <laughs> in fact... The, the next question that I have here, which is, um, do you have a desire to go back there to live? Kind I think I, I would love to be able to go back a, a month or two a year, mm. particularly to my old neighborhood, because the, the, the river, the St. Lawrence River at the end of the street is just so gorgeous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not many people know about it, you know, it's, it tends to be locals who know about that stretch of the river. Okay, which area are you, are, are you in? Are you um, so I don't really want to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't all come pounding over yeah. there, because it's your secret place. Yes, secret <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. respect that then, definitely. Um, so, what is your your fondest memory of that area? Then is it walking down to the river, mm-hmm. walking along the river, cycling mm-hmm. along the river, going to the bird sanctuary, hanging yeah. out, parking my bicycle. Yeah. Um, the food is it was the food good there? You. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I come from a foodie family. My parents are Indian, so I grew up with a lot of really good food, and mm-hmm. I'm always curious about food. Um, I remember in Montreal there was one snack called poutine. Okay. Which is French fries with curd cheese and gravy. Oh my goodness! Um, which is really heavy. Um, and funnily enough, I've seen it in London a few times in a few places. Oh wow! Um, very occasionally, I've had that. Right. Okay. I think another very Canadian dish was tortière, mm-hmm. which was a kind of meat pie. Mm. And um, though I don't think that was one of my favorites. Um, we also had a, a tradition called sugaring off, where you'd go to the the cabane à sucre. Right. Um, uh, you go to a cabin in the woods, and um, the maple syrup would be tapped from the trees. From the tree, direct from yeah, the tree. and then you'd have it on a snow cone, a cone of ice, the, the maple syrup on ice oh, wow. uh, as a cone. And then you'd go indoors, and it'd be nice and warm, and there'd be a big table, and there'd be a feast, lots of hearty food. <laughs> oh, wow, that sounds amazing. But to have, to have the maple syrup straight from the tree yeah. is pretty special. It's pretty special. And does it taste very different to how we would find it in the jar? I imagine it does. Or is um, it just more intense? Yeah, I think now when we when, when I buy maple syrup I always buy Canadian maple syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably wouldn't notice the, the difference, difference so too much. much. Yeah. 
Okay. But obviously it's much fresher. Yes, yeah, yes. So it's straight fresher, fresher tasting. And um, temperature-wise, probably, is it, well, I suppose it depends. When when can you tap maple syrup from the um, I think it was in February. So cold so, then. It's very cold, so, yeah. yeah. Where, if I was going to... At least to I Mon- think it was February. You think it was February? Yeah. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Okay, I'm worried. <laughs> Don't you worry. You were young. <laughs> I was young. <laughs> um, so if, if, uh, if I was going... To Montreal for the first time, which I think I should should yes. definitely do. Where would you suggest that I would go? That's that I could or should go. That's kind of slightly off the beaten track. My neighbourhood. Okay, um, which I'd rather not, not tell me <laughs> if I could find it based on. I would say the look for as a clue. Look for Heron Island. Okay, all right. Um, but also, I think St Lawrence Boulevard, um, which is one of the main uh, arteries in, in Montreal, is a very foodie street. Mm-hmm. Lots of culture and food. Yes. There. Yeah. Um, I went to McGill University, and I think the grounds are really lovely just for hanging out and having a picnic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then off McGill University are all these streets called the ghetto where the students live. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of little restaurants around there. Right. And um, there's also an area called Le Plateau, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a very, it's become a very big bohemian area. Right. Um, right. On Montreal. Sounds like I'm going to be busy then. You're going to be busy. <laughs> I go. Definitely go in summer. Definitely going to summer. Uh, another reason for going in summer is that there are all kinds of festivals in summer. Montreal is known for its festivals. Okay, all right. I, I shall bear that in mind too. <laughs> okay, so let's um, go for another quick round of questions okay. for you. So, cinema or theatre goer? Oh, I have to be honest, cinema. Cinema. And do you have a favourite cinema London in London that you like to visit? Favourite cinema? I tend to go to the Curzon in Wimbledon. Okay, just because it's just because it's local. Handy. It's local, <laughs> yes. Okay. And dinner out or nightlife till dawn? Dinner out. Dinner out, okay. And where do you have a go to oh, place? Going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> do I have a go to place? I quite like Dishoom. Oh, it's okay. It's a wonderful Indian restaurant. Yeah. Um, and it has a few branches. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like the one in Kensington. Right, I haven't the one been to King's one. Cross. So I, ha- I believe I have, I have been to one, but I'm not for a while. So um, it's more fusion, Indian fusion, no, it's, isn't it's it? Indian. Indian. It's pretty Indian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Okay. Favorite place to go walking or cycling in and around London, other than other than the obvious. Um, <laughs> other than the obvious. <laughs> yes. Uh, I do like Holland Park. Mm-hmm. I really like Holland Park um, because I used to live near there, mm-hmm. and it has a really lovely uh, Japanese garden, the That's Kyoto Garden. Right. Yeah, you know, I've never been there, so and I've heard very good things about that. So I must, I must go. But the Japanese garden is a yeah. you, you would recommend yes. that. Uh, okay. Yeah, and Holland Park generally. Mm-hmm. It's one of those parks that I've kind of cycled by or gone by in the bus and never actually gone into so I need well I to think go. that's why I like about it because it's less touristy than mm-hmm. the other parts yes yeah, yeah. and I've often gone to Kenwood House um, through um, Hampstead Heath yes that's a lovely one yes, that one I do nice know walk, yeah, yeah it is and it, again it's a lovely big space to yes. walk to so, so you can w- walk for, for, for miles yes. around there so <laughs> get lost as yeah. well and go swimming in fact in the, that in the ponds so. um Okay, we're on to our third okay. round of questions now. So, um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Mm, that's a difficult question. We're talking really. If I had to really, if I really had to move, um, I think maybe someplace like Briar Island on the Isles of Scilly. 
mm-hmm. because I love islands. I was born on an island. I grew up on an island. Montreal is an island. Yes. Um, say Briar Island. Briar Island. Somewhere okay. Briar, or somewhere on the coast um, of Cornwall between St. Ives and I think it's Lillant mm-hmm. along the south, southwest coast path. Right. Um, which is it's especially beautiful. Yes. I really like that. that yeah, I've country. heard it's beautiful for walking all along that. Stunning. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, uh, otherwise, I think I love Lindisfarne, Holy Island. Mm-hmm. The North Shore beaches are really peaceful. I mean, I'm really drawn to coastal areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So uh, we were going past there because I just came down from Edinburgh the, uh, on Monday, actually. So Because it's in Northumberland, isn't it? You yeah, go from Northumberland right. across to yes. Lindisfarne. Yeah. So, and it's a place I haven't been to. And I remember when I'm taking the train thinking, I must go there. So, so. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, tend to stay in the south side of the island. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go to the north side, you'll have the beaches pretty much to yourself, and the walking is you know, right. And you mentioned this in your book. I do. The it's Wild part of, Times. It's part, uh, I oh, mentioned it in uh, in Wild Times and in um, and in Wonderland. And in Wonderland. Yeah. So it is a favorite place, definitely of yours. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I talk about it in completely different ways. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I need to look at both. Then. Yeah. Do you have wanderlust or are you very much an armchair traveller? Well, I've been to over 60 countries as a travel writer. So, so I'm, I'm a traveller in my DNA, in my bones. Yes, yeah. Um, and I'm always interested in journeys, whether they're inner journeys or outer journeys. Like Pico Aya, really, the like inner world. Do you yes. know he was one of my first influences? Was he really? Yeah, I, Video Night in Kathmandu was wow. one of the first travel yeah. books I read. Right, yes, and, and uh, I love the, his very uh, very short book, which was, I think, a TED Talk as well, The, um, the Art of Stillness. Yes, which I bought Just in a... your bookshop. <laughs> so in terms of, well, the wanderlust, I, I mean, in terms of the armchair traveller side, I was thinking that yeah. actually you write maybe for people who perhaps don't wander so much, would you say? Or are you encouraging people to get out of their armchair to... To wonder more. I think when I was a travel features writer, it was um, really whenever I've written about anything, it's because I've been following my own curiosity, and obviously you hope people will connect with some aspect of the culture or the country that you go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to writing books, I mean, Wonderland is a very personal book. Um, so it's not so much about encouraging people to do this or to do that. It's more that I'm sharing my story and I'm hoping that it will resonate with people because I'm not in Wonderland. I'm not just exploring the magical in the landscape. Um, I'm also connecting with my own feelings of otherness um, mm-hmm. because of my background, uh, my multicultural background. So yeah, it is. It's almost like a memoir. Mm-hmm. And it operates on a few levels. And the the your the Wonderland is it mainly is it based in the UK or is it is it your it connection? Is, it is based in the UK. But um, so how the book came about is when I was uh, a travel writer, I I would go abroad and occasionally I'd have opportunities to meet people from indigenous cultures, and I was always really moved by the way um, these people connected with the natural world, the way they had. A relationship that was re- reciprocal right. and deeply spiritual, mm-hmm. and um, I found that quite magical and quite beautiful. And I wanted, I suppose, to experience a glimpse of that. Right. right. Um, and by the time I came to write the book, I, I kind of got tired of of long haul travel, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see if I connect, if I could connect with the land, with nature, in this deep, 
deeply spiritual way right. that both people I'd encountered on my travels had. Wow, so interesting. So how did you choose which places to go to? I mean, did you let your, did you just let that happen? Um, so I, I kind of set an intention to let the spirit of the land guide me while not really being entirely sure what I meant by that. I mean, did I need some kind of umbrella um you know, sentient nature, sentient presence in nature? Did I mean the spirit in each thing? Did I mean the divine? What did I... I wasn't entirely sure, but that was my intention, mm -hmm. to connect with the spirit of the land and of the land to guide me. And I, I thought I would use um, intuition and um, signs and synchronicities and encounters as my, my goal, my signpost, right. as it were, rather than using a map and a compass. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm sure, did it get you into all sorts of trouble as well? It didn't get me into trouble, but I experienced some really um, interesting things. Mm. Um, and it, it was quite a whimsical journey, but I found that as I went along, a certain logic began to present itself. And I realized right. in the writing of the book and in the research of the book that yes, um, Magic does exist. Mm. You know, it's like twiddling the dial to get onto the radar of right. radio magic, and then you can hear things. Um, and uh, believing really is seeing. Mm. No, I think that you're, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a, it's an awareness, isn't it? You yeah. opening yourself up to to being more aware of, of your of your environment yes. as well. That, that, that's and and I believe that um, Robert McFarlane's had a had a read of of yes he, of ha he has a little, um, a little dip into he has and he's been very supportive. <laughs> that's that's wonderful, which I very much appreciate because I have a great deal of respect and admiration for his writing. Okay, well we look forward to seeing it coming out in end of April, isn't it? That yeah, is the book is published out. on the 30th of April. On the 30th of April. So we'll make sure that the links to your books are in the show notes so that listeners can actually tap on them and hopefully buy it as well. Fantastic. So, um, so out of all the places that you've visited, yes. um, which, which do you have a, a place that has impacted on you the most or has, a, has, had, a, has had a lasting impression on you? I think um, traveling to Iran really had made an impression because um, of the warmth of the people, their mm -hmm. passion for life, for music, for poetry, their hospitality. Yes, yes. And I felt the same way when I went to the Northwest frontier province of Pakistan mm -hmm. and the Kalash people and the indigenous people again you know these countries do not necessarily get a good press but the warmth that I received everywhere I went um, really bored me right <laughs> they're both places yeah. I haven't been to yet and, but and northern Pakistan is stunning stunning is it, yeah. staggering beautiful right and have you written about both these experiences in, in other articles that you've uh, yes so I was commissioned both times to go and write features about them okay. so that's how I Okay, so it may be possible to put those in our in our show notes, a link sure, to those yeah. those uh, articles too for for listeners who might be interested in going to yeah. either place. Okay, so I think we're actually down to our last question here. <laughs> so, um, what what would be one piece of advice that you would give someone moving to London, coming here for the first time? I would say make sure you visit London's neighbourhoods, mm -hmm. London's green spaces, and um, London's diverse 
communities mm -hmm. because we have the whole world in mind. Yep, yeah, we certainly do. And in fact, actually, before I opened the bookshop, I um, I was doing some Googling around as you do, yeah. and there was a, um, a guy who actually wrote about each community in London and oh. how it was split, but very much world communities living in London. Yeah. Um, and I found that fascinating because I realised that how many communities do actually live in London that I wasn't totally unaware of and, and where they're actually um, positioned, I suppose it's not quite the right word, but where, yeah. where they've kind of settled, settled and, and found, found their home or place yeah. in, in London too. Perhaps that's changed because that was written in, in 2004, okay. but uh, that's the whole thing about London, isn't it? Mm. It, it is a very changing, it's evolving, evolving um, uh, space and uh, in terms of cultural space yeah. as well. So I think that kind of wraps up everything that we wanted to say, unless there's anything else. The Thai Budapadipa temple in uh, Wimbledon, up near Wimbledon village or just beyond it, and it's one of my favorite places to go and just reflect and sit quietly because uh, apart from the temple, there's a beautiful little lake walk you can do and uh, it's, it's just a very peaceful spot and uh, you know people will leave you to yourselves and you just have to make sure you dress modestly, I think, when you go in. And is it open? Has it got specific opening hours? Uh, I think it's open most days. Mm -hmm. um, you need to check. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely something to... To, to visit when you come to Wimbledon. Right. No, it's something I I've, I, ha I have not done myself, yeah. so I shall definitely add that to the list, and I'll and I'll put the link in the show notes for the listeners too. Okay, so great. Thank you for that extra addition. Yeah, I really enjoyed spending time talking to you. I enjoyed being in this lovely cozy pub. I, I see the rear of the snow has stopped and the hail has stopped and the sun's come the out. sun's come out. I know, and I it's it's it is a very changing weather situation here in, in London at the moment. But I would just like to say um, thank you so much for coming on the on the podcast today, Ginny, thank and you sharing your and sharing your stories and and the thoughts of London, uh, the world, and life. Very diverse life you've been living and uh, I'm sure it's it's only just beginning there seems to be lots of other things on the horizon for you we can find links to all your everything we've talked about on on the in the show notes to all our traveling through podcast listeners out there um, I hope it's been inspiring for you and you've got some takeaways I certainly have today from the show of course we'll put the links to everything we've discussed where we can and if you've enjoyed the podcast please do give us a rating and a review Ginny will be looking out for those Please do subscribe. And finally, please share this podcast with your friends. If you've enjoyed it, hopefully they will too. So we'll be back next week with more travelling through tales from London's melting pot of cultures. The London Pool. What makes you stay and what makes you learn? But for now, take care and thanks for listening.